The ability to recruit an elite defensive line. Advantage, Brent Venables. I just wanted to play the game that you guys were playing for the past two hours, right? I don't know if that one came across the Ear Coverage Solutions text line or not, but that's my official submission. The inability to ever beat Alabama for any player whatsoever, especially running back. Advantage, Muleshoe. I, I, I see no lies. Yeah, I, I'm two for two so far. Which I'm sure as many texts as you guys got the past two hours that uh, someone else beat me to both of those, but those still stand true today as a uh, another recruiting weekend is uh, coming up for OU football, which David Hicks was not able to make it to the Kent State game, thought that he was going to a couple of weeks ago about midweek. That did not end up happening. Uh, five-star defensive lineman David Hicks, is he trying to make it in town this weekend? What's the uh, Thursday update there with him? Uh, well, to the best of my knowledge, it is still undecided as to whether he'll be able to make it up or not. So stay tuned on that one. But any way you slice it, it is a big weekend of visits for Oklahoma. We've talked about it. Guys in the 2023 class coming up, including some commits. Colton Vosick, Anthony Evans going to be in town. Uh, 2024's bunch of blue chip guys in oh, that yeah. cycle coming in. Likewise, it's a California the invasion this weekend is yeah. what it is. Yeah, how about that? Ability to recruit California. Advantage, Mule Shoe right now. Well, advantage but... Mule Shoe on OU's dime is what it was. <laughs> Let's go ahead and decide that uh, we're going to USC early midseason flip uh, our recruiting to the West Coast and just start recruiting for USC on OU's dime. I, I don't know if uh, anyone else said that. The the ability to recruit for someone else on someone else's dime. I take Advantage it back. Advantage currently belongs to Brent Venables because the Sooners actually signed two guys from the state of California late in the 2022 cycle in Grayson Halton and Cavante Henry. So we'll see if Muleshoe actually ends up signing any of the blue chip guys that he's recruited from the state of California. Yeah, it would be awesome if uh, in the next few years he has a better hole in the state of California than what Muleshoe does. And honestly, if you have Zach Branch and you have Malachi Nelson decommit and go to A&M, like, uh, well, we haven't talked about that in a couple weeks, but I still think that's probably going to happen. Like, it's not like Lincoln would have this incredible recruiting haul from the state of California this year if he loses those two five stars. You'll be looking at what the uh, flagship university was able to do in its own state and say, oh, geez, really? That's all you were able to get out of your own backyard? Interesting, man. You want to you start having a conversation about three-star U. That's truer of USC yes. right now than it is of Oklahoma. Ah, uh, Text line getting in early. Uh, 214, it's time to worry about David Hicks. Is it why? really? Why? Why is it why? time to worry about David why? Hicks? Why is it time to worry I, about I, DJ? Okay, I, I can tell you where that's coming from. It's, well, I, you know, supposed to come to OU a couple weeks ago, didn't make it, and boy, he sure found a way to make it to A&M a couple of times. I don't think it's for lack of trying. I, I, I think that there's some situations in there. I, it's a lot easier for him to get to College Station than it is to Norman. Like, I'm not, I will not choose to panic about David Hicks if he does not make it to Norman this weekend. Would I like for him to make it to Norman at some point? Yes, and I think his official visit is the Bedlam weekend. Um, I'm not I'm not going to freak out about this one. Not yet, anyway. I would not be worried about David Hicks, and I will eat crow however you want to serve it to me if I end up being wrong on that one. I would not worry about DJ Hicks right now. 
No, OU is still OU is still the leader there. They're good. So yeah, big recruiting weekend this weekend. It, it was somewhat of a big recruiting weekend last weekend for OU with Malachi Coleman, you know, being in Lincoln for the game, and like that was an interesting conversation that we had. Right? It's well, OU and Nebraska are long rivals, but they've never really been recruiting rivals. Is that why there's been? so much success and or so much respect in the in the history of the rivalry because you're not recruiting rivals where ten think things tend to get really dirty there. I I'm looking at Kansas State this weekend as another example. You played Kansas State for a while, but you've never really been considered a recruiting rival with KSU. And if you look at the Big Twelve as a whole, is there anybody, Parker, outside of Texas that recently or even historically that you would say that OU is a recruiting rival against? like in, That's got to be a unique situation for OU. To be in a conference for so long, and you had a lot of the same names for a long period of time, but there's sure. only been one team that historically you battled recruits for consistently. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a fantastic point because every so often you battle K-State for a guy like Dylan Edwards. Every so often, you end up battling Baylor for a guy like Jaden Rowe or Delarian Turner Yell. But more often than not, Tyler, you're right. That has a lot to do with the fact that Oklahoma is simply recruiting at a higher level than all of their peer institutions in the Big 12, save for Texas. And every single year, you see the Sooners and Longhorns go head-to-head for several prospects. That probably won't change once they make the transition to the SEC because they still have ties in the same areas, geographically speaking. And so I imagine that recruiting rivalry will be maintained as those two schools make the transition to the SEC. But as of right now, no, you don't really worry about other Big 12 teams on the recruiting trail if you're Oklahoma, because quite simply, you're Oklahoma. Yeah, I and you're right. There's been some instances where – You've gone up against Kansas State or uh, Missouri or someone like that recently, but not not a whole lot. I, your, your two biggest recruiting rivals right now are Texas and Texas A&M. And it'll be interesting to see if OU develops a recruiting rivalry with LSU, maybe with Alabama, because that's who you're recruiting up against more than anyone right now. Who are your new uh, kind of recruiting rivals that you're going to develop a, a rivalry with? But, yeah, I, like, I think the distance between OU and the rest of the Big 12 schools that are staying behind, that gap's probably going to get even wider now that the OU, o- OU has the SEC to sell on the recruiting front. I, I, the Big 12 schools aren't getting closer to OU and recruiting anytime soon. The gap's only going to widen. No, no, and the gap will widen significantly. And if you're battling Big 12 teams for recruits once you make the transition to the SEC, it's probably in a hyper-localized sense, right? It's probably uh, you're doing battle with Oklahoma State for a three-star kid from within state lines whose family are a bunch of pokes or something like that. It's not going to be the type of deal where you are regularly going toe-to-toe with Houston and – Texas Tech. Shout out to the Shetrons, uh, basically, is what Parker just said. Uh, I, I guess well, Talon Shetrons was a four-star. <laughs> the Shetrons weren't even pokes. They just wanted to play together. I can't fault them for it. Uh, will Arkansas be a recruiting rival? I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that you're definitely going to battle with Arkansas for some kids in the 918. I, I think that that's definitely going to be a case. But yeah. will Arkansas ever be a big recruiting rival? Um, in some spots, you'll recruit against them, but you're not going to find yourself 
When you're talking about the high-level four- and five-star guys, you're probably not going to see Arkansas there on the reg. It depends on what type of football Arkansas plays over the next couple of years because if they maintain an upward trajectory on Sam uh, under Sam Pittman, see, my, my whole thing is when Oklahoma gets the SEC, at that point, is Arkansas an eight-win football team or are they a ten-win football team? Because those two wins can make a world of difference on the recruiting trail. That could be the difference between Arkansas consistently being hamstrung in recruiting battles against Oklahoma or Arkansas being able to go to a place like the 918, go toe-to-toe with the Sooners for an elite prospect and win that battle. Brian in Tulsa says, in the battle of recruiting morals, advantage BV. Making sure Canick went through Dabo before flipping to OU. Other than stealing half the class when Muleshoe left in the middle of the night. Uh, this text from the 918 says, not to be a jerk, but I wasn't worried about Jordan Renaud either until I was. Well, th- there was never a point in time. Well, I guess here's how I need to, here's how I need to draw the line there. The difference between the Jordan Renaud recruitment and the DJ Hicks recruitment is that with Jordan Renaud, the Sooners were going toe-to-toe with Nick Saban. For DJ Hicks, they're going toe-to-toe with Jimbo Fisher. And if you've been paying attention to the vibes down in College Station, they are less than immaculate right now. That extends beyond the locker room that extends onto the recruiting trail that extends to the whole nil conversation texas a&m is a much less desirable place right now than it was a year ago at this time yeah they've got a real interesting three weeks coming up here because they have uh, what do they have? They got Arkansas and Arlington coming up. I think they go to Mississippi State and then they got to play Alabama. Like here's A and M season right here. The next three weeks, if they somehow find a way to go two and one in the stretch, then they're they're going to be all right and got a chance to win. You know, nine games go to a decent bowl game. But if they go one and two or zero oh and three, did they lose to buddy, Mississippi State up. last year? They lost to Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and LSU, who was terrible. But all we wanted to talk about in the offseason was that Alabama win, and that's why we propelled them to a top eight team before the season started, based off of one game when they uh, when they were, what, an 8-4 and four football team last year. The hottest of takes that you will hear from me this week. Texas goes 0-3 in that stretch. A&M goes 0-3 in that stretch? A&M, yeah. excuse me, yes. Texas A&M. The, the fighting Texas Aggies go 0-3. They are uh, favored to win over uh, Arkansas this week, but like two, I'm not real sure how A&M is favored to win that football game. But okay, hey, I don't hate it. I, I will guess that they go one and two in-, in this stretch. But me likes the thought of going uh, zero and three right here. So I like that hot take. I just don't know if it's as hot as the text line today starting to all of a sudden be concerned with DJ Hicks. I agree with previous texts about DJ Hicks. Sound the alarms now, money talks. I didn't think that this was the day, September 22nd, where everyone started to get nervous about this, but I, I guess here we are today. And wh- why is that? Because he hasn't made it to Norman in quite some time? Is that? I mean, it's been a couple it, of months, it's I guess. Bare- but, it, it hasn't even been two months. It's been like six weeks. Since DJ Hicks was in Norman. There's a very good chance he will be in Norman 
this weekend. Not confirmed, but there's a chance. There's a chance he will be back in Norman for another unofficial visit in October, and his official visit to OU is currently scheduled for November. So, I here here is the question that I would pose to the Air Comfort Solutions text line and those listeners that are quote unquote sounding the alarms on DJ Hicks. What would alleviate your concerns? Showing up to Norman, that would be it. If he shows up to Norman on Saturday, everyone's like, "Ah, yeah, that's right, we got him, we got him." Like, DJ Hicks went to College Station to watch A and M get beat by Appalachian State. You think that was a great advertisement of all that Aggie football has to offer? Hey, and we know the A&M media, all right? The A&M media is a lot like the A&M fan base. Uh, If there was a change in heart for DJ Hick, like if there was a real change starting to happen, Parker, I guarantee you we would start hearing that, "Uh uh-oh, A&M is back in this thing for DJ Hicks. If he was the leader there, I assure you we would hear that. We would, we would start to hear Steve Wiltfong say, hey, some interesting... Like, think about what Steve Wiltfong or 24-7 Sports has been putting out. He hasn't been putting out hints or anything that A&M is trending back to be the leader. He's putting out hints that the decision date for David Hicks might move up. Like, everything that he's put out recently has indicated that OU, not only are they leading, but the the lead continues to get stronger and stronger and, over the past few weeks. And just think about the timeline of everything that went down. A&M loses to Appalachian State on Saturday. Steve Wiltfong writes the words, decision could be moving up for DJ Hicks on Sunday. Yes. It's all good. Hey, just relax. All right. I know some of you are nervous about past recruiting losses and – you know, you feel like you've seen this before. We all had that same feeling when Trey Palmer caught the touchdown pass in Lincoln, Nebraska last Saturday to go up 7 nothing. We all thought, oh, God, yep, I've seen this. We're in it for a dogfight today. And then OU scored 49 unanswered. All right? and everyone was impressed about the game. Same thing here, man. You don't have to use past bad experiences to make you feel nervous about this. It's all good. As of right now, things can certainly change, but as it stands right now, OU's in a good spot here. No worry. Do people understand how ugly things are getting at Texas A&M behind the scenes? No, they do not. But tell me more, please. Well, I, we all saw the video of Denver Harris whipping around in a parking garage at 80 miles an hour, right? That's the culture Jimbo's building, folks. I love it. 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep it locked right here on the ref. More crew and more college football on the other side. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Brilliant move. This is dedicated to uh, about 10% of the text line today regarding David Hicks. For some reason, there's a... Uh, this is random panic today. Yeah, somebody this is random. Somebody on the text line 
was like, Parker, I feel like you have an agenda with A&M because I never hear about any trouble down there unless it's you talking on the radio. Uh, let's let's wait till after the season and see how many of those dudes that sign in the class of 2022 with A&M end up hitting the transfer portal. They are listening today from Cozumel, Mexico, Florence, South Carolina, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Baltimore, Maryland, Belleville, Michigan, and our Oklahoma small town of the day. Oh, the biggest moment of the show. Chicota, Oklahoma is to hey, today. Hey, home of Carrie Underwood. Home of Carrie. I was just about to ask you, the native Nebraskan, if you knew what celebrity hails from Chicota, Oklahoma. Oh, absolutely. And man. look at you. Just easy. First thing you think about when you think of Chicota, Oklahoma. Honestly. I wonder how they uh, how they feel about that, to where it's like, oh yeah, home of Carrie Underwood. That's what every Oklahoman says when they think of that place. Hey, uh, I have some breaking news. Uh, David Hicks is uh, going to be at the A&M Arkansas game this no, weekend. No, no, not quite that. Uh, this, I mean, this is bombshell level stuff. Like, especially if you have firsthand context context for this fact that I'm about to throw at you, you understand how monumental this is. Kansas has sold out David Booth Memorial oh, Stadium yeah, on Saturday. That's right. I there will be a sellout crowd on hand. For a Kansas home football game. So the last time I remember KU even being like remotely full, what was it? It would have been, uh, I guess, 2007 when they beat Nebraska at home and put up like 76 points on them in Lawrence. But I don't know if I, I don't know if that game was sold out, and I don't know if there's been a sellout since that day, since 2007. The excitement for KU football, oh boy! Just don't lose on your home field now. That's all you got to do to Duke. If I told you there was a sellout crowd who's going to be on hand, fixing to be on hand to watch undefeated Kansas versus undefeated Duke, you would think it was February. Yes, I would inside Allen Fieldhouse, but we got a football game, and that, that's interesting. I love that, and, and I was looking at the schedule yesterday. KU's got three consecutive home games before they come to Norman. They've got Duke at home. They've got Iowa State at home, and I believe they have TCU at home after that. Give me the percentage chance that it's 6-0 and Kansas rolling into Norman. I think that's October 15th. What are the chances 6-0 KU is rolling it's, in here? It's still slim, Tyler, because it's still Kansas. But... No, I, Those I, are all winnable games. No, for they, them. they absolutely based are. on what they've shown the first three games. Like they can win all three of those. They absolutely are. I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself and send the hype train out of the station too soon because I'm still trying to take everything with a grain of salt with this Kansas football team. But I think they beat Duke this weekend. That'll move them to four and zero. And from there, man, like you said, they can beat Iowa State. They could beat TCU. I don't know if I would pick them over either one of those teams right now. I'd, I'd, I probably would pick them over TCU. Yeah. I think I would. Especially I don't know about Iowa State. We'll see what TCU's quarterback situation looks like at that point. But, man, how fast has Lance Leipold turned the tables in Lawrence, it's, Kansas? No, it's unbelievable, it's man. incredible. Uh, and, I uh, look, I'm not going to go uh, Bill Snyder-esque because he's got to do a little bit more than beating Houston on the road to even be in that conversation. But the situation that he took over at Kansas was god-awful. KU has been the butt of the joke when it comes to college football for over 10 years now. And to get them in a bowl game in, what, his second season would be 
one of the best coaching jobs we've seen here in a while. And as much as I respect Nebraska, and as much as I would like to see Nebraska at least get back to a respectable level, I still would laugh when they're going to go ahead and not hire this guy immediately after a 5-1 and one start and go hire old Bill O'Brien instead from Alabama. Come on, Nebraska. Just do it. It's right in front of you. Nebraska should be writing Lance Leipold a blank check at season's end. Trev Alberts should be landing a helicopter in Lance Leipold's backyard on Black Friday. It should be that simple. I don't know what the Nebraska helicopter would look like if it would look like their helmets or not. Red stripe down the middle of the chopper and then a red <laughs> in on both sides or Or it's just a giant ear of corn. Yeah, something like that. But it's it's gotta be it's gotta be something unique. Text line says KU sold out the fourth quarter last year when OU was there. Yeah, that's true. Remember it was the call to everyone, like, hey, no matter where you are, every man, woman, and child, free entry to the second half of the KU game. We might upset OU. Get out here. Get here, please. One listener says, I am asking Santa for a Kansas three-peat on Texas. I told you guys before the year, before there was even a thought that KU would be good, I told you this would be like a four-quarter, grinded-out, really tough football game for Texas, and I feel even better about that. Consider this. The way things are trending right now, Texas is going to have to go to Lawrence and play in front of a sellout crowd. Most likely. Like, even if Kansas loses a couple games before then, you know they're going to sell that game out because it's Texas. And because the banner that that football program has proudly waved for the last five years, and all the more so over the last year, is we beat Texas. KU's going to be back before Texas. KU may be back to a bowl game before Texas. Actually, I think Texas is probably going to actually make it to a bowl game this year. But will KU get to a better bowl game than Texas? That would have been a hot take before the year, but it is a very realistic situation right now. Brian in Tulsa says, hottest of all takes, OU versus KU in the Big 12 championship. Let's go. I'm ready. Hey, give me, give me all that action. Kendall says, he's not leaving Kansas for the dumpster fire that is Nebraska. Yeah, because KU's a stable job. Wouldn't take that to the bank. KU has only three losses this year, calling it now. OU, OSU, Baylor will be the losses. Uh, uh, Big Bad Wolf says, what would the world do if Kansas had a movie-like season going undefeated and winning a national championship? Uh, Invite KU to the SEC. We can can start speculating about Kansas winning a national championship if they're 5-0 in a couple weeks. How about that? Yeah, and it's still Kansas and nobody gives a Jaleel Farouk. Yeah, okay. (laughs) And, Kendall, here's the thing. You say he's not leaving Kansas for the dumpster fire that is Nebraska. Kansas was the dumpster fire of all dumpster fires. Again, like they, they've been the butt of the joke for when 10 he years took that now. Job. They've been, the, they've been the, the, the school that everyone says, well, yeah, Kansas, they're, they're the worst team in college football. It is hard to envision a worse situation than the one Lance Leipold inherited at Kansas with Les Miles and the scandal that plagued him towards the tail end of facilities his. Facilities are god-awful up yeah, there. Yeah, facilities are not good. You have no fan interest whatsoever And in a year and a half, he has completely turned the narrative on his head. Now, if he's confident that he can do the same thing at Nebraska, what is the ceiling at Nebraska versus the ceiling at Kansas? Because that's the thing. Nebraska is going to have 90,000 Husker faithful at every single football game, 
regardless of how bad you are. Nebraska has history and tradition and legends that they can recruit around. If you can turn around Nebraska the way that you turned around Kansas, you can build a national championship contender there. I don't know if you can do that at Kansas. Yeah, so apparently the names that we heard yesterday, Lance Leipold was on that three, right, with Matt Campbell and Bill O'Brien. Yes. I wonder if Nebraska right now they're saying, all right, good start, Lance Leipold, but – don't win too many games now. Don't go like nine and three or anything <laughs> crazy because whatever big job has opened up this offseason, it's probably going to be a better job than Nebraska. And Lance Leipold can probably go there instead of Lincoln. Yeah, KU better be prepared to pay up this offseason because I promise you, Nebraska will not be the only program that's ringing Lance Leipold's phone. Yeah, I, I may. Auburn's probably not smart enough to do that. They'll go back to the uh, Mountain West and get some uh, unproven head coach like they did the last time out of Boise State. Is Boise State even in the Mountain West anymore? Yes, it is. Okay, that's what I thought. But it seems like those Mountain West and WAC teams have moved so much over the past 10 is years. Is the WAC so. still a thing? I TCU used to be in the WAC, right? Yeah. They moved up to the Mountain Hawaii West. Hawaii was in the WAC. Fresno State was in the WAC. Idaho was in the WAC. Idaho is not even FBS anymore. No. They demoted themselves. The Kibbe Dome is down to the FCS, which is really, really sad. By the way, uh, Brian said uh, earlier before the show started, good one for you and Thune today on Locked In. How does the one-year ban for LSU affect OU recruiting? <laughs> well, the effect on it is, uh, wait, 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 wait. So now we can cheat? We, we can do some illegal things and really not be punished whatsoever by the NCAA? LSU got absolutely nothing today. I, would you even call that a slap on the hand with what LSU got today? Barely. I mean, jeez. They made it sound like there were these big punishments being handed down and like nothing happened to LSU today. It feels like we talk often about how, oh, this school's about to get lit up by the NCAA with sanctions. And then it never happens. Yeah, who's the last school that's really been lit up with sanctions? Penn State, for Penn the State, I, scandal. I, and that was in 2012 when all of that broke. So it's been like 10 years ago, basically. I mean, we were hearing forever about how Miami was going to get it. I guess USC got some punishments after Pete Carroll left, but yeah, man, I we've been hearing about it forever, and just toothless tiger is what they are. And it, it's I, I think a whole lot of schools took notice today, saying, "Huh, that's interesting." That's all that happened at LSU. We we can kind of play this game and not get much of a punishment. Okay. That that that's interesting. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More Curtin, more OU football on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, inside the Brian O'Haver Studios. Your text on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 
651-3439. I decided before the show today to take a little peek at what Jackson Arnold has been doing at Denton Geyer. We seemingly talk every single week of, dang, Jackson Arnold lit it up last Friday night. Whoa, did you see his numbers? He did not have his greatest statistical outputs last weekend, though his team did win the football game. Parker threw four games. He is 56 of 91. It's like a 61% completion percentage. For 891 yards, he's got 11 touchdowns, one pick, and I believe he has two rushing touchdowns on the season. So 13 overall touchdowns to just one interception so far this year. Yeah, and his offensive line down at Geyer is not outstanding, which hampers him a little bit. But still, Geyer's 4-0, looking like one of the best teams in Texas's 6A classification. Uh, Jackson Arnold is a very good football player. And if you haven't gotten the chance to watch him or at least see the highlights, uh, do yourself a favor because that is OU's QB of the future, and he is a stud. Yeah, um, gets the ball out really quick. You know, some guys just have the ability to, you know, when it when, when it comes out of their hand, you can see a lot of zip, a lot of pop off of it. Like He, he looks the part. I mean – Obviously, he's a five-star quarterback. He's going to look the part, but quick release is, I guess, the first thing that I noticed about him, Parker Thune. Yeah, he's very, very decisive and very, very confident, and that goes back to one of the things that we've talked about time and time again with him. And just in our overarching sense, he plays the game with an elite mentality, an aggressor's mentality, an apex predator mentality. Apex predator, wow. You can have that at a quarterback starting next season. I do not hate that whatsoever. No. Although I, do you think he starts next year? Because I think Dylan Gabriel. Comes I think back. Dylan Gabriel's coming back. Okay. Man. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh God! I, the text line I've been dealing with all week—he <laughs> wouldn't even get drafted at the end of this year. What are you guys talking about? I, I, I'm definitely not going to go that far. But is he going to be a top 15 pick in next year's draft? Like, no, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I'd be. I'd be very surprised if Gabriel's not back next season. And that's exactly what I hope for. I think the ideal situation is Gabriel's a starter for two years, and then Jackson Arnold's your guy in, what would that be, 2024, I guess? Yeah. That's here's, it. Here's an interesting question. Is Spencer Rattler back next yes, year? Yes, I, I think without a doubt he is back next season. Oh, boy. Yes, he is. Yeah, I. there was a thought going into last year. That the Houston Texans were going to take him with the number one overall pick. Uh, I was told that the Houston Texans saw that first game against Tulane last year, and they were like, "Yeah, we're 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 good on this. We're going to move on, uh, finding our next quarterback." Which they didn't even take a quarterback in last year's draft class, right? I think that they're kind of you know maybe waiting for this year, but. Yeah, I, I think he's going to play more than one year at South Carolina. How the mighty have fallen, and he has not looked great. And in a deep quarterback class, the likes of what this 2023 draft class will contain, you can't afford to come out of the gate playing shoddy football at the quarterback position. And that's what Spencer Rattler's done. It's bizarre to me that uh, in, in what universe would you have believed? Say it's 2020 right now, or even 2021. Would you have believed me if I told you there was a chance Spencer Rattler would still be playing college football in the year of our Lord 2023? If you would have taken an injury out of the equation, I mean, probably not, honestly. I don't think... Because like, it's no particular the- secret that he was angling for the NFL as quick as he could get there, right? Like, it, it was very evident 
if you talked to anybody that knew him, if you just had a, you didn't even have to know anything. Just taking stock of the situation, Spencer Rattler was gone to the NFL after three years if there was sufficient draft stock for him to make that jump. Yeah, not only do I think he'll be back at South Carolina, I don't see a future where he's a first-round quarterback. And I understand that we've seen some less-than-impressive quarterbacks taken in the first round in recent drafts. Some teams are so desperate that they overdraft for a guy. I just I don't see him ever being a first-round QB. Was Christian Hackenberg – no, he was a second-round guy. Uh, Blaine Gabbert was a first-round guy. He's still in the NFL. Uh, Don't ask me how. Ryan Tannehill was a first-round selection, which he he's also okay. still in the in the NFL. Can't get it done in the playoffs, though. When Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen they, was a first-round quarterback, and they got rid of him the next year. So, yeah, there's been some very average QBs taken in the first round in years past. And for his sake, I hope it happens for him. I just don't see it. By the way, your semi-regular reminder that Texas A&M blew a 44-10 lead to Josh Rosen mm, in 2017. Love that so much. That's what got a semi-fired, right? And A&M, yeah, more or it was, less. It was that game. Because I think that was on like the uh, Sunday of week one of the season that year when Josh Rosen took him all the way back and won. And yep. That was the beginning of the end for Kevin Sumlin. Uh, text line, where are things on Peyton Bowen's decision? <sighs> We're still in a holding pattern. And I know we're going to get asked this question a lot. We already have. I I don't know when it happens. I think with Ryan Yates coming to campus this weekend, I think there's a very good chance Ryan Yates flips soon. And I think if he doesn't flip soon, Oklahoma's going to be ready to move on because they're only going to play that game with him for so long. So Bowen has a little bit more leeway, as we've talked about, by virtue of the fact that he is a five-star. And if you watch the tape, it's pretty dang clear that <laughs> there are not many safeties in the country like that dude. But Oklahoma's not going to leave the light on for Peyton Bowen forever either. So Not a Motel 6. It's not how they operate recruiting. If we are, if we are still sitting here on Halloween and Peyton Bowen is not yet committed to the University of Oklahoma, at that point... I believe that if Brent Venables and company haven't already moved on to plan B, they will be on the precipice of doing so. Yeah, I I think so. Like, if we get to November and it still hasn't happened, it's, all right, dude, either it's going to happen or not, or we got to find someone else. Um, In terms of, like, decommits from this class, because for some reason I still get to – I still get questions on – Hey, it's a nice class right now for OU. Boy, they are inside the top five, just outside the top five, whatever. But how many decommits are we looking at until signing day? Man, maybe I'm totally wrong about this one. I I could end up looking like a moron when it comes to this take. I just don't see any imminent decommits whatsoever from this class. Maybe there will be one. But if I was putting the over-under on it for guys currently committed – I put it like 0.5 right now. Even though Colton Vosick's flipping to Texas? <laughs> Stop. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with that, please. That is a joke is what Parker's saying. All right, He's messed around with that a couple times this week for no one that got that. But I just – I not only do I not see a mass exodus from this class. I don't know why there would be when they're rolling right now. No. I – I think everyone's fully on board. They're locked in. And everyone that's committed right now, I think, eventually signs their LOI to OU. I don't question that at all. And and that's been consistent. That's not like just a now feeling. That's been consistent over the past several months. Like, there's only been, what, one or two guys that we've ever mentioned, Parker, 
for a chance at a decommit. And that was really like, yeah, we don't think it's going to happen, but if there was a guy that was going to decommit, here's a three-star receiver in their their class, here's maybe Jaquais Petaway that might think about it, but I... That's been a thought now for several months. Is OU's class is going to stay intact with the guys they have now? You think about it. Since the beginning of the Brent Venables era in Norman, Oklahoma, there have only been two decommitments. Correct me if I'm wrong, but as my memory serves me, there have been only two decommitments. One was DeAndre Moore because the staff simply decided, you know what, we're good. Is he visiting Texas? Um, well, he, he is visiting okay. Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. Um. The other, of course, was Ashton Cozart. And I think that's when anybody that was committed to and or seriously considering Oklahoma came to the realization that, oh boy, I better be serious about OU if I lock it in because Brent Venables doesn't play these games. No, and they've, I mean, you really haven't heard any rumors whatsoever of any potential decommits ever. Have we talked about the fact that Ashton Cozart started hitting Oklahoma back up at one point? Uh, we tossed that around a little bit before they got, um, oh gosh, Anthony Evans. Yeah, that was the thing. Needless to say, it didn't go anywhere. They said, nah, we're good on that one. Yeah, I figured so. Figured so. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll close up Locked In. Coming up next, keep it locked on the ref. Final segment of Locked In, Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. We're inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. We need a, a roll call for Saturday because Saturday's KREF Army tailgates, uh, dare I say, might be the uh, best one that we're going to have. At least that's the hope. Uh, Parker getting Jackson Arnold and Heath Ozida out there for the Kent State game was uh, pretty awesome. But we'll, we hope you join us. We're going to be out there beginning at 10 a.m. Like, the Gimme Zone. Our golf show on Saturdays here at the Ref, they're going to get it started off from 10 a.m. to noon. Parker, you're going to be on from 1 p.m. to 3, correct? 1 to 3. 1 to 3, and then uh, Travis Davidson, myself, and Mike Steely will be on from 4 to 6, and uh, Jeremiah Hall going to come out with us. Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Sometime in the 4 o'clock hour, he's going to join us for a couple segments. K-Ref Army tailgate, uh, Hertz Donut parking lot. We're going to have some T-shirts to give away all day, which is going to be fun. Mike will be at Balfour of Norman. Toby and Teddy will be at Balfour of Norman as well. So, hey, man, when you got a 7 p.m. kickoff, you can just spend all day on Campus Corner, and that's what the refs got going on Saturday. So we hope you will stop by, get a koozie and a T-shirt and a high-five from Jeremiah Hall. Well, is Jeremiah Hall still uh, – is he – What's the situation? Because I know he was with the Giants. Yeah, he's not playing for anyone right now. And I guess he's he's uh, thinking about moving back to Norman, potentially, from uh, North Carolina. So he'll be here this weekend. Okay, I'm excited to hear what he thinks about uh, this year's football team. I'm sure he's got some interesting thoughts, especially with the way that this offense is using Braden Willis. Like We all thought that he was going to have a good year, but I think through three games he's maybe surpassed 
what I mean, kind of what anyone thought that he was going to do. What does he have? He's got six catches for 63 yards and two touchdowns, which he was very close to having three touchdowns if he catches that ball against Kent State. But he's also got a passing touchdown. He's OU's second-leading passer right now on the roster. So I think he's had a monstrous start to the season, and I don't think that that's going to slow down anytime soon. No, I, I don't think that it was like we're going to put on film that we're going to use a lot of Braden Willis. Like That's going to continue moving forward, I think. Yeah, and he will start putting up bigger and bigger numbers as the Sooners throw the ball more and more. Because in all reality, they haven't had to throw the ball a whole heck of a lot through three games. No, not yet. They haven't. So we've only seen the tip of the iceberg from the Sooners as far as the passing game goes. Jeff Levy's going to get creative. Dylan Gabriel's going to be dropping back a heck of a lot more. And you'd figure I, Dylan Gabriel has 78 pass attempts through three games. So quick math, it's 26 a game. You would figure standard operating procedure will call for Dylan Gabriel, ideally to throw the ball between 30 and 35 times every game. So you'd imagine a few more of those looks will go Braden Willis's way. And it's going to be fun to see him eat. I know there is already a lot of NFL interest in that dude. Yeah, like I, 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 he will be a draft pick next year. Yeah, I think so too. I am interested to see what type of tight end that this staff is going to recruit. Are they going to recruit a style of player that they've had previously, which is, yeah, we're not going to really use you in a ton of blocking situations. We're just going to use you as a threat in the passing game. Do they want more of that type guy, or do they want an all-around player that can do both things, put their hand in the dirt, block? Do they want more of a Daniel Parker-type tight end, or do they want more of a Grant Calcaterra type of a tight end? Yeah, no, it's going to be more of the Calcaterra type, and you look at the two guys that they are actively recruiting in the 2023 class right now. One of them's already committed in Cade McIntyre, but you look at Malachi Coleman as well. Both of those guys are raw, versatile, projectable, athletic specimens. That's what Oklahoma's looking for. Guys that can stretch the field a little bit. Guys that can make contested catches. Guys that are nasty enough to get down in the trenches and block. But more than anything else, guys that can factor into the passing game in a big way and be those versatile downfield weapons. I do love having a Daniel Parker on the roster. His ability to put his hand down in the dirt, off the edge, and block. But you know, I think some people just thought that that was going to be his only contribution to the team this year. And if you watch the first three games, that's been wrong. The play that he made against Nebraska, the second (laughs) effort that he showed to get to the first down, I was like, wow, I, I like that quite a bit. I like that a lot. He can catch the ball if, if need be Daniel Parker. I don't think he ends up having seven touchdowns on the season or anything crazy like that, Parker, but he'll get a touchdown at some point. Oh yeah. Important to remember that's a converted defensive end as well. That's that's why you see that mean streak in the way he plays the game because he's a defensive end that Mizzou decided to try out at tight end and took to the position very well, and now here he goes for the, uh, the victory lap at Oklahoma, and he probably doesn't factor in quite as much as a pass catcher as Braden Willis does, but... Still going to see a lot of snaps. By You'll the, see him on the field quite a bit. One more recruiting thing before we get out of here. Did I see that four-star defensive lineman, Nigel Smith, he's going to be in town for Bedlam? 
Is that he'll right? be in town this weekend, too. Oh, he'll, he'll be in town this weekend? Yeah. We had him on the post-game show at Yo Pablo, right? After we the did. spring game? Look at us, man. Just all the guests before and after the games. It's crazy. All right, that'll do it for Locked In. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.